and welcome to Built on Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. Built on Air is sponsored by OpenSide. Visit OpenSide.com for products and services that will take your Airtable to the next level. I'm your host, Zoe Vanderplue, and today I'm picking the brain of Sarah Henry, a freelance user researcher, designer, and strategist based in Brooklyn, New York. Sarah talks to us about her passion for social-driven projects and her unique ability to create spaces where people can have meaningful social interactions about the dreaded D-word, data. Airtable is one of the tools she uses to organize and extract inferences from her data sets. And she shares with us one of her first Airtable projects, a base called Lean Design Research for Emotional Data which demonstrates how user researchers can champion data-informed design practice while also maintaining the humanity of user feedback. Check out builtonair.com for previous interviews and subscribe to the Built on Air newsletter where you'll get updates on new episodes and all things Airtable in your inbox. Sarah, welcome to Built on Air. Super excited to have you here with us today. Um, why don't you just give a, a little intro for everyone? Tell us about yourself. Um, you know, who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Etc. Yeah. So I'm currently a freelancer. I'm a um, well. I'm a freelance design researcher, designer, strategist. I got my MFA in interaction design from the School of Visual Arts in New York, and I currently live here. Um, I did a I decamped to the West Coast for a few years and then made my way back. So I'm currently freelancing and I work, um, it's great, I, I work on my own schedule, I get to really structure my time, I get to choose the tools that I use, um, I really enjoy freelancing. And I mostly work with social impact firms or um, groups that are really trying to do something um, really new with technology that is for social good. Um, so yeah, I really try to tailor my client list toward toward that. And I'm doing some like, really kind of like wonky work with like data and how um, how data can be used to uh, better public-private partnerships. I also work with a client that works in the agricultural space and they're developing this new sensor that will um, help reduce the amount of fertilizer that farms need. Um, and then I'm also working with a client that is trying to improve the after-school space and um, develop an app that will help really like um, after-school uh, teachers like plan and um, create new content and um, you know kind of organize their classrooms because there's not a lot of technology for that space yet. So um, so yeah, so that's just like some current client list. Um, yeah. So so you definitely seem to have kind of like found this little niche, right? Where you're like, oh, I, I want to do you know these projects that personally excite me, but also things that can kind of have like large impacts down the line, right? Um, so, yeah. so what is your, um, you know, of course, like all of these sort of like, you know, goals are pretty lofty, but, but what is your kind of day to day like, like when you're working on these projects, what portions do you leave? Like, how does that process work, especially for something, you know, that is sort of maybe the, the first of its kind in its particular space or you're evolving it to another level? Yeah. So, um, with one of my clients, um, they, they literally are like the first of their kind. They were doing a round of funding and couldn't find competitors. And that's, that's a really interesting space to be in. Um, we're mostly organizing data between disparate organizations so that they can talk 
to one another. Um, and I'm not going to get into the specifics, specifics of that because it's, it's very technical. Um, but, but there's a component of it that's around um, helping people of different organizations trust one another to share their data and then to interact um, at a high enough level technically, like to have the literacy to speak to one another about their data so that they feel that they really can trust the process and that they are comfortable with the process. And so um, a lot of my work with this particular client as a designer is to um, really organize um, the service of getting people who are not technically literate on the same page about their technology so that they can make informed decisions about it. And that's that's like a really that's a really interesting space to be as a designer because I'm not necessarily um, prototyping out wireframes or building out um, no new digital interactions. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm looking at interactions that are happening in a room about technology, and like um, I'm dealing with politics and I'm dealing with um, trying to create like almost like templates for interactions that are going to be so wildly disparate because it's people in a room talking. And so a lot of my work is just kind of around organizing potential social interactions around data. Um, and that's a really exciting place for me to be as a designer. That feels like um, experience design, essentially service design. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so my day-to-day -day is, to answer your question, um, for those particular projects, my day-to-day -day is really spent trying to like ingest as much information about these technical products and then think about ways to um, communicate that information. So I do a lot of writing, a ton of writing. Um, and then once I've got the communication side down for that service, for the service design, um, I, I move into like how is that communication then templatized and sent out in various channels. So there's a little bit of strategy. So that will like basically be like um, building out presentations, building out decks, building out um, just writing one pagers. Um, and then the next step is, okay, so how do we get all of the people that are going to be um, kind of creating like working groups or working together and collaborating into a room with that information? So all that communication. And then how are they sharing that information, discussing it, um, building upon it. And so that's where I get into like, I have to like organize pretty deeply, like what my anticipated experience is going to be and how I'm going to deliver that. So that gets into um, the strategy world of like, that's where Airtable basically comes into play right. of just organizing um, like potential workflows and workshops. Um, yeah. And so I do a little bit of like the visual design stuff and a little bit of interaction design, but it's mostly like getting my thoughts down on paper and getting it into a format where I can um, easily organize. Yeah, because I, I think it's, it really is like such a huge challenge where you're like, okay, I know I'm at a level where I can absorb all of this insanely complex stuff and organize it in my own head or for me, but you know, they always say like the mark of like a really good teacher or whatever is that they can explain things at any level, which is like yeah. insanely hard to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so yeah, that's just really interesting how, how it's like you're, you're a designer, right? But you've moved just from like wireframes or visual things to like doing it in physical space with like real humans, you know, not just like how they interact with something on the screen, but how they interact with each other and these concepts. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So, so mainly just like a lot of writing, a lot of organizing, a lot of, uh, okay, here's this really complex thing. Now let me explain it in a way that's digestible 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so tell us like a little bit about how you, you mentioned, you know, Airtable kind of comes in in that organization portion. How, how did you even find Airtable? Um, and, and did you know when you found it that you would be using it for this purpose or, you know, how, how is your sort of relationship with Airtable evolved? Sure. So um, my relationship with Airtable started when I was um, focusing a lot more heavily on design research. Um, I, I still do that and I still use it for that purpose. Um, but it was originally this design research problem of I need to talk to a lot of participants, um, a lot of people, and I need to talk to them in pretty in-depth ways through interviews and then also through usability testing and through um, like prototyping and through discovery. And so um, there were a lot of different ways in which I needed to talk to people. And I was working for an organization um, which built, it, it builds tools for governments. So it's um, kind of like if you were to go to the DMV, walk up, get a number, and then like wait in line, and then finally go see somebody at the counter. Um, that person would be on a computer processing all of your information, but the whole, the whole setup would also be like a process. And so that's all run on software. And um, the organization that I worked for um, before I started freelancing uh, built software like that, okay. like basically like kind of bureaucratic digital infrastructure. Right. Like the, the stuff <laughs> that like everyone is like, why does this exist the way it does? And why is it so bad? Yeah. Yeah. So I like was really excited. It's super dry stuff. It's like really kind of like, you know, <laughs> You're like, I'm like, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, um, that's the kind of, um, software that we need to improve upon. Um, rather than like having an app that like, you know, like helps me get my laundry done faster. Like we like True. really need like to improve our government software. So I was really excited about working there. And, um, to, to the point I, I had to get very specific participants for research and they had to be government bureaucrats. And because they're government bureaucrats, I can't waste too much of their time because it's like literally taxpayer dollar time. So, so is, is that just because like that, those are the only people you could use for testing? You can't use yeah. like, like Joe Schmo off the street waiting in line? Totally. Yeah, because the software that we're testing is super complex mm -hmm. and it's very specific on what it accomplishes. Um, and we can test with some, you know, some of those elements can be tested with like Joe Schmo, like, you know, does this button work or like, you know, right. can you click on this thing and find that? But for the most part, no, we had to test with very specific people. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't use the standard tools that are out there, like user testing or like I use validate validately for some stuff, but not for their um, panels. Like mm -hmm. I really had to like create my own panel system. So I started looking around for ways to organize and kind of build out like <laughs> the infrastructure of my design research. Right. And I hit upon Airtable pretty quickly in that research. And the thing that really sold me on it was how um, Zapier connected up to Airtable. Mm -hmm. So I could automate a lot of my design process. And that's where um, that sort of lean design research uh, terminology. I mean, it's obviously borrowed from lean design and like lean business and all of that. Um, but I wanted to make the point that you can build out a pretty robust like infrastructure for yourself 
wherein you can track your participants, you can track what tests they've done, you can email them on a regular cadence to like keep them in the process if you want. Um, you can like uh, send out results to your team, you can collate results, you can aggregate information, and a lot of that can be automated through as long as you've got the information and the data set up in such a way that it's it's super easy to understand what's going on right. um like you know like it's it's like not in folders all over the place it's not on several spreadsheets it's not spread out it's in one location and it's very easy to like parse it and read it Perfect. um which makes it easy to automate it because right. when it comes to design research um you don't want things to go awry because you are interacting with essentially customers so there's this customer service side so things kind of have to be kind of buttoned up right um, you need to have your stuff together right so you can you know kind of show them that their time is valuable yeah yeah totally um because you are asking something of people mm -hmm. so Airtable um for me seemed incredibly intuitive and um had enough features and like connectivity that that I was able to set up what I deemed this like lean design research. Um, and it was cheap. So I went back to my team and I'm like, here's what we're gonna use. We don't have to use all of these very expensive bloated um, producti productivity software suites. Mm -hmm. We can just like make this really fast. Um, and my team was really like awesome about that. And they were excited to do things in this kind of scrappy way. Mm -hmm. And so since then, I've just used Airtable as the basis uh, for almost every single project I do. So I have a cadence now where I like set up an Airtable, I get my participant list, I figure out like all of the information I need about them, like their contact information, um, what products they use, if that's relevant. Um, and I, I just set it all up in the space and I put the research in the base as well. So that way I can share it back to my client um, and they have basically all of my institutional knowledge within this Airtable. So it also becomes kind of a value add for my freelance work as well. Right, because you're, you're turning over something not where it's just like a folder of random documents that really only you know what's useful and what's not. It's like everything yeah. here, it's on the same level, like, you know, um, and, and I think that's, that's also what's really valuable at Airtable. I, I use it a lot, even when I, you know, uh, a lot of times I'm delivering an error table to a client as an end product, but also I'll mm -hmm. put, you know, notes or like track progress or, you know, sort of any other like, you know, valuable pieces in an error table because it's just so easy to share that instead of like, okay, here are my five like Google sheets and, right. you know, like, this one's for this and this one's for this, but this one has both of them together, but the data is a little outdated because like I updated <laughs> this one, you know, like this right. a week ago and I made this two weeks ago. So yeah, I think there is something really to be said about how, especially with you were sort of good um, sort of, you know, horizontal communication amongst everyone seems to be like just sort of a really important, not, even just way you do your work, but just sort of value for you in general about how you, you know, want to interact with your clients in, in the world. Yeah, yeah. And there's also something really, because Airtable is so user-friendly and intuitive, there's something really nice about walking a client through this end product and really demonstrating to them what the analysis and synthesis process was. So in design research, like that's like this like secret sauce, like that's like the magic where you, like, listen to all these interviews, you do all the interviews first off, but then you listen to them all and you like 
through just like understanding that user voice, you come to a conclusion of like, oh, okay, so like this is like where the product should go. This is the direction. Like this is what people seem to be um, kind of saying in between the lines, especially if you're doing discovery research where you don't actually have something for people to react to. You're just trying to understand their like mental models. Right. Um, so, so Airtable, because of the way you can structure um, columns and categories, and because you can like kind of um, like categorize things with both color and words, like there's this like reinforcing idea that if I show my client, okay, so here's like a list of interview questions, like I could show them what people said. Um, but I can also say, here's how I analyze that into like this phrase, like, for instance, if um, I'm talking to an interviewee about, um, let's say, the after-school space, and they're um, kind of telling me stories about how they really just go back to pen and paper no matter what, because, like, at the end of the day, like, um, pen and paper is always there. Like, they don't have to find their phone, or they don't have to worry about battery or data. They just know they can write attendance down on a piece of paper. So I could relay that to my client, um, or I could show him really quickly um, people are, like, analog. And I, if he sees the word analog in this column, like, 20 times, it reinforces the idea, like, really quickly, both visually, and let's say the word analog is in red. So, like, visually and, like, intellectually, he just gets, like, people are analog, analog, analog. And so, as a design researcher, for me, that's a great way to convey all of the, like, emotional human stories that I heard really, really quickly to someone who wants information but doesn't necessarily want to lose like, you know, the, the human quality of that information. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, and people are terrible at kind of like self-reporting. We are like, Hey, like on a scale of one to 10, like, mm -hmm. you know, how like much do you love, you know, apps versus what, like who, no one knows, like no one knows. Right. Themselves. So yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting how you can kind of like, just use, you know, and there is a space in Airtable where you could store, you know, I don't know if you do like transcripts of your interviews or, you know, a recording or whatever. So if, if you know, that per if your client really is interested in the, you know, verbatim what that person said, you can like, you know, they can do it. But also it's, it's just this really accessible like, okay, well, actually, even though human experiences are really varied, you can kind of like narrow them down into really kind of just a few categories, especially I think, you know, given sort of like the research process, right? And you're asking yeah. these same questions to everyone. Um, yeah. So, and, and I really like what you said about how like you can color things and it's not just, yeah. oh, this has an analog tag, but also like, let's say, you know, you could make that red, right? Because that's definitely like a quality um, that you have identified as like, you know, perhaps a, a friction. A Right, a friction. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I never and and just like using yeah those colors and like even emojis and stuff like that in Airtable, it does sort of like really couple well to kind of convey that you know sort of like the the ether around something you know. Um, yeah. So and and how how I guess we'll we'll end up talking about your sort of first round of this base in, in a few minutes, right? You'll walk us through your, um, you know, kind of emotional data um, base. And you said like that was sort of your first iteration of this, right? Yeah. So, so now like looking back and when did you create that? Um, oh my gosh. Uh, two early. years ago? Yeah. yeah. At least two years ago. Maybe two. And yeah. Half. So I think you posted on the, um, 
your bases on the Airtable universe. So we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes too. So everyone can check it out. But um, yeah, so you added this two years ago. So obviously I'm sure it's like you've gone through so many sort of iterations of this concept. Um, so, so what like have you kind of, you know, and also Airtable is added so many new features in that time too like yeah. it's actually like incredibly different now I would say like then I mean you know the bones are the same but there's so many things where I've been like I really wish like it would do this and then you know like a couple months later I'm like oh now it does this you know um so so what like are some of the sort of like improvements you've made just sort of generally or maybe like those new air table features that you've added to your base um as it continues to evolve yeah so um I, I've like not been like super into like exactly what's going on with it, um, except for one thing, and it was um, like pivot tables. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And in 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 Airtable, you can do a pivot block or you can do a group. And God, it's like the lamest thing. I'm just going like, yeah, I really want to see data in a different way, but uh, that was huge for me, like yeah, huge. No, it's a big deal um, because that's like the you know the like like once you like discover pivot tables in Excel, you're like, oh, this is like how, like it, it just intuitively makes sense. You're like, sometimes I really want to see the data this way, you know? Um, yeah. And so when it comes to like that emotional, like it, so it's a, it's a quantitative way of looking at emotion to say, okay, this person talked to me for an hour and I've got like these five categorical words that come from them. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm coding or categorizing their language and I'm synthesizing it down into like just a couple of words and to be able to then take like those, like, let's say five words per person. And let's say each person is like between them, like uh, they have a bunch of words associated with like their response to the test. And then to push that into grouping or a pivot table and be able to like really see the patterns that emerge. Um, it's a pretty like, for design, that's a pretty robust data analysis, and it really like gives me a lot of um, insight and like patterns of just like oh, it looks like people who, for you know, example, were analog, also were people who were super digitally savvy, and like that's a pattern I wouldn't have assumed, but because I can see these things overlap and I can look at the counts um, and just do a simple data analysis, um, that becomes like a more interesting insight into um, the people that I'm interviewing. Uh, so it's a data analysis tool also, and that's really cool. And I, I really liked that they, they put that feature in. Um, they also, I guess since that time, they, uh, they made their forms really robust. Mm -hmm. Um, robust is a word that I think the tech world uses too much. I know I use too much, so I'm sorry for that. But, um, <laughs> so compared to what, you know, um, but it sounds, I think it just kind of rolls off the tongue. It just sounds like. It, it totally does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, so the forms are really good. Um, especially like even the free model of the forms mm -hmm. is really good. So I use those forms in, um, actually just today I figured out a workshop, um, where I'm going to have people voting, um, in real time on like governance issues. Like how are they as a like large collaborative um, governing their organization and I'm gonna have them vote on Airtable using the form and within like a minute as soon as that updates I'll be able to see the results and um, be able then to move the workshop forward in a particular way and so that's really really useful and that's not what you would expect from a database spreadsheet tool right. is the ability to like do voting in real time that is then documented like we right. have the votes and, and just so, like, like so simple it's not like you have to like 
Did you ever have those stupid clicker things in college where it was like the little remote and then you would like press the button? Um, yeah, and you know that costs like hundreds of thousand dollars. I know, it's so stupid. But yeah, it's like you've accomplished the same thing for like essentially like, you know, maybe like cents per user, right? You know, like if you're factoring in your like monthly, you know, subscription and then and then it's like they can just pull up that form like on their phone or on a computer and, and you know, get yeah. data just as easily. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you can, you know, change. Yeah, and, and you can change like the kinds of questions you ask in real time. So voting, you know, often is like a yay, nay, like you put your hand up or down, but you could also say like, okay, give me a one through five. Like, what do you, how do you feel about this? Like, give me more, a little bit more qualitative information. Um, and that still like comes back fast enough. And with the ease of, a you know, ability to analyze it by, it's just game changing. Yeah. And, and, in, and I guess kind of going down this example, right, like you could even, realize there's a question you want to ask and collect data on that you didn't even think of you just the conversations leading that way you can just simply add a new column in Airtable for that info create a new question and then just you know give them a new link or tell them to refresh the form that's a, that's a cool use case i love that i've never thought of that it's such a cool way to kind of um bring that interactivity you know and then do you have them, do the participants use their phones then with um, the forms or are they on computers or are you asking? Yeah, for this, for this one, um, they're going to be in working groups and so we're going to have them on their laptops um, and that helps with the documentation of what happened during that workshop. So that's another thing with design research. Um, often you're facilitating workshops um, among many different people mm -hmm. and uh, documenting how people get together and talk and come to conclusions and like come to consensus uh, is really hard because <laughs> like you're gonna miss stuff and like walking around taking notes is just you're gonna miss stuff and so um, the battle that I always have is do I have people write down on paper then do I transcribe that paper because you don't want people on their computers all the time when I'm talking um, and Airtable forms is a way to like basically wrap up this interaction of like people talking and like coming to conclusions because you ask essentially if you have a table of people you have like one person who's going to be okay you're the leader so at the end of your conversation what did what conclusion did you come to and you structure the Airtable form in such a way that it's like it kind of should flow with the conversation where people are like okay we figured out this bullet point so let me answer that and so it's a way to like help the documentation process not be so arduous because people are documenting for you but also not interrupt the flow of this like really valuable face-to-face -face social interaction yeah um so yeah so it fits this nice it like threads the needle really nicely yeah cool so i guess like now would be a pretty good time to segue into your uh lean design research for emotional data your Airtable base and then i think what what i'm kind of curious also like as we're kind of going through and you're showing it to us if there if there are things um, additional things you think of that you're like, oh yeah, I've improved this and added this, or even things where you're like, you know, I'm still kind of working on this particular problem of how to organize this in Airtable, just to mm -hmm. kind of give us some insights because I know you've been kind of building, you know, some iterations of this and that would be cool to explore. So yeah. I'll um, let you go ahead and share your screen and just kind of walk us through. So this is the Lean Design Research for Emotional Data database. There's a lot of kind of jargony made up words there. And I put them together in a particular way because I had two goals. The first was to demonstrate 
and that's the lean design research part, that it's really easy to make a whole design research system. Um, like I'm a team of one when it comes to, to design research, and this really helps me to organize all of my research, make sure that I'm involving the right kind of participants, that I'm not overtaxing them with lots of um, calls to join research, and that um, I, I know what their background is and what kind of products they're familiar with. So it really helps me just like get a lot of value out of my research and also keep it organized. So that's the, that's the lean design research part. The second part is this emotional data thing, which is also totally a made up jargony term that really means um, quantifying the qualitative information of um, how participants feel when they use your products. And so it's, it's getting away from usability and validation and getting more toward like, is this actually a thing that people enjoy and are invested in or trust or find that they can you know, be um, casual with the product? Like what are those more nuanced ways of um, thinking about people being able to use your product or not? And so um, I wanted to demonstrate that that really like nuanced kind of human level stuff Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have to be like in the realm of just design research. You can really quickly demonstrate to your team how people feel. And so there's this method called, um, it's from social science. It's just, it's called coding, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not computer programming. It's a way of categorizing um, through a rubric how um, like, like large swaths of text. So like an interview, for instance, it's, it's saying very quickly, like, um, you know, this is a word that sums up what this person meant. And then once you've got that word, you can do a lot more um, quick sort of quantitative analysis with it. There's a lot of concepts packed into what the space is, and maybe it accomplishes like some of what I set out to do, but mostly it just kind of gets it all in one space. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's take us through it and um, yeah, we'll just sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, so um, this first page is completed research page. I'm going to come back to it, but it is kind of the um, like the full summary of everything else, like everything that every piece of data plugs into this page. Um, so we'll, we'll end here, and hopefully that it'll be clear by the time we get there. But I'm going to start on um, I'm going to start on this products page. So let's say you're a design researcher, you're you're new to your company, and you're a team of one. And you really just need to get a handle on how to start doing research. So I built this kind of without intention. So you would start here on the product page and you would write out like all of your products, like what environment they're on. Um, and then I've got the internal team of people who work on them. And then going into the participant view, that's where the rest of this information comes from. But just to start, you would very quickly write out like, here are the products that I'm going to be testing. Here's like some information that I'll need to know about them technically. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of this is all, is all coming from other, other tabs. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of fun part about this space is that there's a lot of interconnected automation that happens. So from once you set up your product page and you've got your five products, let's say that you want to test, um, then I started to set up the internal team page. And so that has all of the people who I'm working with and their role, um, what product that they're either aware of or working on or familiar with. Um, and then the other two of these I'll talk about in a minute here because they're linked from another page. So, <laughs> so they're linked to this upcoming Even research. The, the onion, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, and, and that's why I, I really like, like an onion pretzel or something, right? It's, like, <laughs> it's a twisty onion. Um, yeah. So the upcoming research is is part of that lean process. This turns into a form, um, and I'm I'm honestly like not sure if I can show that on Universe. Um, I don't think I have that view. But we can imagine that these are. Questions. You can imagine. Yeah. Um, so this was like when forms, I think, were just first implemented. And, um, and like, I was like, oh, great. So I send this form out to um, my internal team. And the form is really simple. It has a question like, what, what research are you interested in? The next question is, what product do you work on? Third question is, what's your name? So we get this, this information back where we've got this table of research questions, like, are users comfortable with logging out? Should we update our color scheme? And then I know who internally is asking that question so I can involve them in my research. And then I also know what product so I can later like plan out my, which products I'm testing what their priority is. Priority would be a good column to add to this, by the way. So that upcoming research then plugs back in. We can see like the internal team and we can see like their needs to know about. So that comes back to like, okay, so, um, you know, I haven't talked to, to Lisa in a while. Like what are her needs? Mm -hmm. And so it also keeps that, um, that research cadence like organized. And so I'm never dropping the ball on like what a product needs. Um, but I'm also not burdening other people of my team with like making sure that they're right. constantly like asking me let's like get in a meeting and bring your five questions or whatever. They can just sort of passively flow that information to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because the form is a standalone link and like whenever they have a question, um, yeah. Getting away from meetings, getting into like emails. It's great. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. So, and then once we go to this uh, product page, going back to this, our products, this unanswered research, those are those questions. So I always have that information in a multitude of ways, which I think is what's great about Airtable is it, it organizes information. And so based on how you want to receive that information, like how you best, get, you know, process it, um, I feel like it, it does a lot of that for you, just yeah. reorganizing and, you know, giving it to you in a lot of, of different ways. For sure. Because you're like, I always kind of want to keep these questions in mind so you can just have them, you know, wherever you're looking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so let's go to the participants view. So this is kind of like the, the, the meat of it or like the, the really big infrastructural, like underlying stuff, the data. So I have a column here that says participant name and the next column is their agency name. So I have, um, all of these agencies or the places they work. I can click into that record because it's a record and, um, you know, I understand, okay, that's a vendor, this agency, for instance or this, this firm, they're a vendor, they are working at the local market. Um, this was for a government organization. And so like local versus state versus national was important. Um, I also know what products that person uses at their company or what company, like what products are at use of that company. And then who's there, what they're like, all of their metadata, like their phone number, contact information, that kind of stuff, um, who their internal contact is at our company. So like, it's everything. It's like everything I want to know about this particular company is in this record. And all of that information feeds into how I'm going to like plan my research. So for instance, let's say I wanted to look for participants and I'm, I'm moving over now um, past all of the email phone information mm -hmm. and I'm moving to this uh, row or this column called experience. So let's say I wanted to look for experience um, of less than a year. 
I wanted people who are really new to their company or to their industry. And so I've got two people here that have experience of less than a year. And I can see um, only one of them uses the super secret new product that I want to test. And so that's my one participant that I'll call out. Similarly, if I wanted to find people who were um, really advanced, you know, had more than 10 years of experience, I could do that. And I could compare them, you know, someone who is like really like a veteran of their field versus someone who's new to the field. How different are they in their ability to adapt to new software? That might be a research question. Mm -hmm. And very, very quickly, I can find two participants that, um, that have shared this information with me in a self-selected way. So because this can be a form, I can send out this form to um, you know, anyone I need at say a conference or a new agency that we're working with. Um, and I can say, just you know, fill out as many of these as you feel comfortable. And if you wanna join design research for you know, my company, um, just hit submit. And so they'll fill in this information for you because a, a big problem with getting data is that it's, like tedious yeah, yeah so I, I really love the Airtable approach of being able to like connect all this stuff through forms or through like a form in like a MailChimp thing like this connected through Zapier or whatever right. yeah um so so yes yeah, so let me let me take off that filter the other thing that I also list here is like yeah what products they use that I might be testing them on um then I also know like what devices they have um product features that they love and so again this is all like you can just ask them this, like, what do you like about our software? And that way, you know, they might be um, more generous when you're uh, like testing them on UI stuff, for instance, or they might be like really like cynical about uh, how intuitive your products are if they, if they hate that, which is another, that's another, that's another column. So, um, so there's a lot of like just kind of intuitive human kind of stuff going on here. Um, I can also say, okay, I want, um, I want to filter by everyone who uses, um, say, like other apps used. I want to know everyone who uses um, Google Docs. And so that gives me really quickly, like people who are familiar with collaborative um, online text software. Mm -hmm. so, so that's another way to kind of filter, especially for usability tests. Um, you know, is this person even familiar with that kind of UI? So, right. so yeah. Um, and then and lastly, this, this, Last three columns here, um, will participate again, associate a test and the not participant organization. So let's say these last two columns. Um, this is where that like research cadence comes into play. So will participate again is a checkbox and I can click that um, or unclick it. I don't think I can unclick it on, on this, but, um, but that's, a, that's a like really nice way of keeping my list current. Um, it's a little bit manual at this point. And I think at this point, that's something I would want to improve upon that I haven't yet. Um, but we'll participate again. Um, like that should be like an email I send out every once in a while, like, Hey, are you still interested in doing research with, you know, this, this company, um, and having that linked up to the form. So, um, that helps me keep clear, keep, you know, in my mind, like who should I not email? For, for testing essentially. Um, and also if you were to like wanting, if you wanted to automate this, that might be a field that you would through Zapier, um, you know, go share into like a MailChimp mailing list mm -hmm. um, where you're kind of regularly asking for people who want to do research, but you know that this is the do not contact list. Right. Um, and then lastly, we've got associated tests, this column here, which shows me which tests they've already participated in. And so um, in that kind of, 
the same way I described earlier, where if you see like 20 um, analog tags and they're all red, it gives you like almost like it's like heat seeking where you go like, oh, okay, so there's a lot of that. Yeah. Like um, you can really quickly get a sense without having to actually analyze this data of um, just like a, an intuitive sense of like what the answer is to your question. Mm-hmm. And like, let's say my question is, who's done only one test? So I can quickly scan this column. Let me like widen it out a little bit. I can quickly scan this column and go like, oh, okay. So like, you know, this Amy is cool. She's only done one. Karen O has only done one. Um, and you can filter, of course, or you can, you can do the pivot table to group these things. But also like I can just scan and just like quickly go like, all right, so let, me, let me contact like Sue and like Yana. That's great. Um, and I know that I'm not like overtaxing them by asking them to do many, many tests over or they're not like constantly kind of participating. So I'm not like wearing out their goodwill. Mm-hmm. And then also visually like this too, you might kind of be looking for someone who's only done one test, but also like maybe someone who like really loves, like you said, like UI or maybe like a couple of these areas that, you know, you want to test. So it's not something where you're like, Oh, I only want to see people like with these hard boundaries that a filter would give, but you can right. like, kind of just like, I like that where you kind of intuitively looked and, it, and it's like a soft filter, right? Because it's all visual. So it's just like your eyes, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, and that's what I like about Airtable is that it automates enough, but it still gives me a ton of agency to kind of, because I, I, you know, I might be more imaginative if I'm actually just like looking at um, what people have studied or like, you know, participated in before. And then I look over and I see like, oh yeah, I guess they, they're, they're interested in consistency this test doesn't do that, but the next test does. So maybe I'll hold off on talking to them this time. And so, yeah, it's just like that human, you relying on your own intelligence rather than automating everything. Yeah. So I think that's, that's everything up until the actual completed research. Um, So let me go up to that, that main view. So this is organized according to research studies. So we've got like mobile product content test number one, for instance. And I have the testing date and I have what product was tested. And these are records. So I can click in and learn more if I need to. Mm-hmm. That's also that thing about institutional knowledge. So like I know the super secret new product, which may never launch, but we did talk about it at some point. Um, you know, it's for, it's for OSX. It's, the environment is, is uh, you know, OSX, the user persona who might use it as a casual user. Mm-hmm. And it's gone through a lot of different testing. Um, and Monique and Lisa are responsible for it internally. Like there's just a ton of information here that if I were to bring on someone to work for me or work with me, I could easily go like, okay, take a look at these five records. And that like, and if you don't absorb it all at once, like it's always there for you to rely on. Yeah. 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 So I like the record aspect. That's what like totally sold me on Airtable, which I you know, probably everybody says that. But, um, right, because it's like you don't have to be like, oh, well, like, okay, here's the product name. Let me like, look, you know, open this other thing to like get the details. And by then you're like, well, I'm feeling lazy, like whatever. I don't really, I'll just keep moving. But here it's like one click. It's so the barrier to, to get that information is, is so low, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so yeah, so, um, so moving through these columns, screen type is pretty particular to the type of research I was doing at the time. It's not as generic as I would like. Um, but like, let's just say you're, you know, testing like a particular aspect of this mobile product and you're looking at like account detail. So that's a column that could be played with or improved upon. Mm -hmm. Um, I think number of participants, I don't, 
count field probably to count the number of linked records. Yeah. Yeah, I can't because I can't tell because it's on. Right, it universe. doesn't give you. Yeah, the universe it doesn't give you. Well, everyone, if if you know if that question is just burning for anyone to to know, they can definitely just download your base um, from the universe and check it out. Cool. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah. So that that's hopefully automated. But like once you get into participants for those studies, like that's where um, you know this is to me really useful. And again, you can do that kind of like gut check, like just skim and go like, okay, this looks pretty diverse. It looks like I'm not like asking one person their opinion all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then of course because these are records, you know everything about this person, <laughs> um, which is. Uh, which is useful for analysis like later when you're like really trying to find like quotes that support your opinion for instance and I know looking at um, Ellen here her record that she's a programmer and an analyst and she's um, you know got a junior level of experience and so she might have sort of a, a, an interesting perspective because she doesn't have like this you know hardened view of her industry right. she's still sort yeah. of like excited about it not the jaded lady at the DMV yet. She's like the young, friendly one. Yeah. Yeah. So if she's super skeptical. Then her opinion, I think, is more valid and like more useful. Let's say, for example. Right. Um, so yeah. So that's that's like a. I, I really like relying on that for analysis. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it's like a you know it's just like detective work. It's kind of fun. So, um, so then we get into test types. So this column um, lets me know if this is validation, usability, discovery. Um, this is basically just standard design research stuff. You just need to know what kind of tests these are. Um, also, quick view, you can just say, okay, it looks like I've done an even mix of usability and validation. Like that's about the cadence that I want. Um, good for showing your manager like what you're working on. <laughs> um, yeah. And then similarly, test focus, like I could just like, you know, sort, sort this and it looks like, okay, I've done like two visual design tests um, and that maybe like might prompt me to go back to my visual designer and say like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Is there anything you need? Mm -hmm. Things like that. And then uh, test platform. So this tells me like what tool I'm using. I think Typeform actually connects to uh, Airtable at this point, but I'm not sure about that. You can definitely um, connect it via Zapier. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so this just kind of also helps me like locate where my results might be. Mm -hmm. so, right. Like, just as, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, I also tried to be pretty exhaustive with this, like um, all of the metadata for each of these tests. So like, you know, we're still like in one test. Like this is a, a, a test that, you know, tested two products, um, had one participant, it was usability, and we focused on content, and I used type form. So this is still just like metadata at this point right. of like what this test was. Mm -hmm. um, but now we're going to move into these last columns, which are where we get the emotional data side of things. Cool. And so um, I've since improved a lot on these, um, but I think they're still useful, and it kind of depends on what your goals are. So I tried to imagine that this table was for someone who was similarly to me, testing kind of um, like productivity or sort of digital infrastructure or kind of bureaucratic tools. Um, consumer tools might have different columns here, um, but that's kind of, that was my focus, so that's how I, I set this table up. So confidence rating is a, um, and this is a, I think this is an aggregate, I'm not sure though. Um, confidence rating is a thing that I ask people um, 
at the end of every test that I did. And it was like on a scale of like one to 10 or one to five, how confident do you feel using this product based on what you've seen? Um, so I asked that like, not because it's a great question because, um, but because it is really easy to see improvement right. um, if you're testing over and over again. So like, let's go ahead and filter like product. So let's say we want to, we want to filter out um, where product contains a timeline. I guess let's do super secret. There we go. Um, so we've got all the super secret, uh, which is a stupid name, but it's fine. Um, so we've got all the super secret ones where um, we're also looking at screen type and that's got um, account. So I've got, you know, 10 tests here and I can go back and if they're then filtered by like, let's sort them by their date. So now I started at, you know, January, 2016 and I end in what about like March. Um, I can look at my confidence rating and see the pattern. So we started at 6.5, we went up to 8.2, we even went up to nine, um, but we ended at 7.8. So how did we change our UI between January and March? What, what was the reason? And so it gives you this starting point to then go back and inquire um, and like really question your own research and also question like the design decisions that were made. Mm -hmm. um, so this confidence rating, like that question can be phrased in a number of different ways, but ultimately it's one numeric score that um, in this case is about understanding user confidence. Right. Um, but the, using that one score then like helps like us analyze the efficacy of our design process. Mm -hmm. Are we improving? Are we moving upward? Um, and that's the same deal with this positive sentiment. So let's say positive, like, so let's say, you know, positive sentiments, just another like kind of, um, it can be a question. It could also just be like me as a researcher going like, sounds like this person was like pretty excited about the product the entire time. I'm going to like give them a hundred percent. Like this can be, um, interpretive if you want it to be. Right. But I want it to include sentiment, which is different than like a specific emotion. It's more just like good or bad. Like is this person like excited or not. It's more binary. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you can kind of phrase this any way you want, but let's say with this research, we started at 56% where almost half and half of the participants were like, eh, I guess that's all right, or it's great. But we ended at 90%. So just from these two columns, you start to see that there's like some issues with confidence. Like you're not necessarily creating a product that is inspiring confidence in people, but they are happier with it. And that's like, then that gives you all sorts of things to consider in the design right. process. You're like, what does that really mean? Like for the specific product, do I need to be asking another question or do another test? Um, and yeah, I, I think like that's sort of a good point where like also it's, it's really like in this space, right? You're like where all data is always going to be sort of like fuzzy, you know, where like, it's not like, oh, this has a value of 6.5. It's more just like, okay, over time, right, as you collect all of the data in this table, like, what is the behavior of that number, right? Yeah, what's the pattern? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then similarly, because you've got this exhaustive process, you know, you can go back and you can say, well, we had a really big dip here. We've now, we're now 67% of people being, you know, like feeling good about this product. Mm -hmm. Oh, it looks like we were testing usability, whereas the rest of these were validation. So we tested a new idea and that idea didn't work out. Right. So you can so, go back and just, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, or you can even go further and say like, well, we test it with Tim and Tim is like, 
you know, he's still got that like naivete about his, his uh, work, but he's got a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a technical expert. So maybe I should wait his opinion more and like go back and even ask him more questions if, if possible. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's just so much data here that if you're like, if you truly want to get into the analysis portion of design research, um, this space provides a lot of resources for that. Right. Um, so yeah. So then uh, lastly, like this user description and categorized description is where we get into the emotional data point. Um, usability results, that's just kind of, that, that's another similar, like um, that can be a question that you ask, or it can be something that as a researcher, you just interpret for people. Um, and that's another way to just um, describe similar to positivity or confidence, like were they able to use the product? And so it's really just tackling that like usability aspect, which is part and parcel of design research. So I'm not going to talk anymore about that. I'm going to look at these last two columns here. So user description, um, and I'll expand this out so you can see um, in this test, it was like one person and they said, excited for new features. Um, Or let's go to another one where they said, interested in being able to access something. Sorry, I'm trying to find one that has like a lot. There we go. Okay. So, so um, in this case, we have, um, you know, like various, these are poorly numbered, but you've got a lot of like um, qualitative information coming from the person where they say things like, oh, that's spot on, or it looks great, or um, the look is simple, but it's a little boring actually, but perfect for inspectors. In this case, this was software for um, code enforcement and inspectors that were going out um, at a local level in local government. Um, Another thing that a user might say is this is fairly simple or this is clean and targeted or great job on the look. So you've got these like sentiments that are being pulled out from the interviews that if I had like a project manager that was really interested in just like literally what did people say, I could show them this and I could show them like here are like the the relevant responses to the software. Um, But you could also like then move into this categorized descriptions. And um, if you're, you know, if you're really interested in in getting more of a a quantitative feel, that's where we can take like the term frustrated by the icons and just turn it into the word frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then when you see anything else, like, um, you know, like, let's say the person says, uh, I, I just, I just don't care about this. I don't get it. It doesn't feel right. That's also frustrated. Um, if someone then is talking about the usability and they're like, this just doesn't work, also frustrated. So you start to get a lot of different perspectives that are summed up by one word. And that's where um, you can then do, okay, again, that pattern pattern view of like, we started where people were ultimately intrigued and excited by the product. And then we kept testing and we got to a point where we did a design change and we tested it and they started to get frustrated. That's a bad direction. Mm-hmm. And then we kept going and now they're familiar with the product. They kind of have like a neutral approach, neutral approach. And then we changed something, they got excited. Then we changed something again and they got sort of wary of it. And so wary as a word might describe like someone saying like, yeah, I guess this is, you know, this is this works, but it kind of just feels like um, software I used a few years ago. So like they might just not be as excited about the product and you could write all that out and you could show that interview or use that quote, or you could also just sum it up in a word. Right. Um, yeah. So there's, there is obviously the potential for bias here and the potential also for just like misreading a situation. Um, and 
I worry about that a little bit, but I also know that if you're continuously doing testing and you are really familiar with the product um, and you also are familiar with your participants and kind of just living in that like researcher empathy interview space, um, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of what they meant, even if they like aren't super articulate. Um, But you can hear their tone. If you're on video or in person, you can see their face, like you can see their body language. Um, and so that's, that's, I think the skill of being a researcher is being able to like really quickly kind of analyze, like what is going on with this person? What are they reacting to and how? And so that's where this categorized description column for me, like gets really useful because I don't have to remember an entire interview. I just have to remember some behavioral things that happened, some emotional things that happened. And it helps me qualify a lot of the language that you hear or see in quotes or that I would otherwise present as, um, like a like like a defense of of like a design decision, for instance. Right. Yeah. So it's you're you're sort of like interpreting right all of these things that can't be quantified, and and then also it's like you Airtable just makes it so easy, right, for you to present it in these yeah. different ways. Like you're like, okay, well, I have like exactly what the user said, right? I have maybe like some numbers that they rated things at. I also have these descriptions that I'm sort of the keeper of. You know, you can put that, and then. And then I, I like to, right, it's like something like this, it's just so easy to like go along. And, you know, for example, if, if I were, you know, a client looking at this, I would be like, oh, well, like, how did she come to this particular, you know, conclusion, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And I can see all of the kind of like data there that you had to make your choice. And, and then it's instead of having to like, you know, watch the interview or like read a, you know, PDF report where like I get to learn about like Mary Susan's troubles with, you know, like whatever the, you know, saving function or whatever, you know, like it's, it, everything's here. And then I can just ask you more about it if I want to, but I want to, I normally like, I wouldn't really have to ask much at all. You know, it's, it's kind of like just all there and a very easy way to kind of lay out and, and see and digest. Yeah. And I I think like my personal view of design research, a lot of people see it as like validating a design decision or even really just like having this kind of like um, sort of rote, like tedious, basic kind of like, okay, we already know what people are are intuitively into. And so a lot of people just, yeah, they just dismiss design research. But for me, this, um, this like helps I feel like it's like it can be really creative like if I'm seeing um, an interview where people are like 85% positive or they're like yeah this works this is fine Um, but then they say something and I'm just skipping around these these like fake data points but like let's say they say something like reminds me of email Um, so yeah it works but it's boring like it's familiar, they're neutral. And so it's not just validating. Instead, like you can take that information, um, especially if you have an enthusiastic design researcher who is themselves like, you know, like looking at design possibilities. Um, And you could say like, okay, well, like let's, let's change that direction. Let's not make it like familiar and boring and something that like everyone knows if they've ever opened Gmail. Like let's, let's try to think about other interactions here that are like just much more interesting or like, you know, solve a different problem. Uh, So I I see it as a jumping off point for creativity. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I try to embody in 
like, oh my God, I try to embody creativity in these spreadsheets. Um, and, but like, it really is just like, here's like, here's like a design prompt. Like here's like a, a jumping off point for like, like really getting creative with your design work because you've got a constraint and that constraint is, yeah, people like it, but they're a little bored. What do you do next? Yeah. And I, I really like sort of your idea over it where it's, it's so problem solving, right? Of course it's creativity, but also it's like, you can, you can be exercise creativity and actually identifying the problems or areas for improvement because I think some of especially in design research which is like people I feel like so much of it is done badly that people write it off just because like no like very few people know how to do it well um you, you know it, it really gives you like this this creativity to also uh identify a problem correctly which you know, yeah kind of leads you down so many different paths so you know, like you said, it's like, you can be like, oh, well, like these two things, like the data says this, but actually like, let's dig into it. Is this really like what we should be pulling from this? Or like, oh, well, maybe I thought, you know, X was where we should focus on or improve. But then after you run like three more tests, you can be like, oh no, actually seeing all of this together. I actually yeah. think it's this. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like a, like a creative diagnostic tool really is what you built here. Um, totally. Yeah, really cool. That's a great way of putting that. Thank you so much for showing us this and kind of walking through it. And yeah, we'll look forward maybe to you know future iterations of your your Airtable like mastermind um, like create data solutions. Um, yeah, I gotta get better at making like dummy data. Like some of this. Is oh, it's so <laughs> hard. I know it's so annoying. <laughs> Right. It's like, that's, you're like, I have this base, I would share it, but then I have to populate it with stuff. Yeah. That's like the most annoying part. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Where can, um, where can people find you if they just kind of want to, you know, contact you or check out your work? Yeah. So um, I have a website that's uh, super basic right now. It's, uh, it's sarahbhenry.com. So that's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, B. Um, as in Brittany, my middle name, and then Henry, H-E-N-R-Y.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I am mostly like way too political at this point because <laughs> it's like, it stopped being like my professional, like, you know, nice Twitter that talks about design. And I'm just like, oh my God, the world's on fire. Uh, so if you would like politicized rantings, I'm at um, Sarah Henry, no vowels. So it's S-R-H-H-N-R-Y at at Sarah Henry on Twitter. Um, I don't, don't recommend it, but it's there. <laughs> but yeah, you can get in contact with me in the show notes for mm -hmm. design related. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for, you know, talking to us kind of about your, you know, this really cool path you're going down, your philosophies, and then also just showing us, you know, kind of how you've used Airtable to really like just harness this data in such a cool way. Yeah, it's been really fun talking about it. I appreciate it.